Hi, Elizabeth. Hello, Serge. It's great to be here. Yeah, yeah. So you're both a focuser and a meditator, and you have the very unusual job of teaching meditation, mindfulness, at Cambridge University. Yes, that's right. I have a really extraordinary post. Um, it's quite groundbreaking. It was dreamed up by the university here um, about eight years ago when they just wanted to support students' well-being. And they decided to do a research project to see whether mindfulness would support the well-being. And I was just so happy to get the post to teach the mindfulness classes. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And um, you're not uh, teaching in a rigid way, mindfulness, meditation, but you have a broader sense of uh, mindfulness that encompasses some of what we do in focusing. Yeah, absolutely. I was really lucky at the start because I didn't inherit a set plan of what I had to teach. So I had this flexibility. I had the uh, the opportunity actually just to develop a course that I wanted to teach, that I would feel comfortable teaching. So, uh, of course, it's just completely imbued with focusing throughout. And the wonderful thing is that it's also been researched. And I was able to tell Gendlin this before he died, actually, that this was happening. And uh, the research finished in 2017 and went into the Lancet and showed significant benefit to the students. And really, focusing is a big part of that. Um, of course, it's all under the mindfulness umbrella, but it's uh, we know it's focusing infused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so the curiosity that I have, and one I'm sure other people have, is um, that cross fertilization between meditation and focusing. So, um, how do you add focusing to say people who meditate? How do you add a bit more of meditation to people who are focuser? How do you blend both? You know, how do you do that? Yes. Oh, that's a broad question. We might, I might ask you to break it down into chunks for me, Serge. I think, I think the first thing to say is that in terms of the mindfulness world catching up with focusing, um, there's been a very interesting development in the mindfulness world, I would say in the last eight years, where mindfulness people have realized that it needs to be taught in a way that they call trauma sensitive. And really, the course that I developed is totally trauma-sensitive because of its focusing input. So I think this is a really useful little word I sometimes use in the mindfulness field to describe what we're doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Mm, absolutely. So one of the things I feel is so important when you go into the inner world, and I have to say I, I owe all of this to focusing the, the very... Uh, exquisite listening and exquisite sensitivity of focusing is this is deep respect for whatever you find there so i would never go into my inner world in a meditation and decide i will do this or i will do that i will focus on my breath for example or i will feel my feet and um it might be there as a useful suggestion or as an idea especially if i'm leading a meditation but i will always want to offer that as an invitation as a choice and always that the meditator is learning it's a kind of extra skill you're learning here which is to check in with yourself does it feel right for me or is something else wanted 
So that's reintroducing the experience of the self mm. in meditation. It's not, oh, you have to forget the self, but uh, pay attention to the inner experience. Um, yeah, yeah. Indeed, I would say the inner experience rather than the self, because my my sense of a meditator who is not using this more focusing approach they might come in and decide, I will do X, Y, or Z. And then if they can't focus on their breath or they lose awareness of their body, they feel they failed or they get critical. And that there may be the problem is that they have a set, there is an, a sense of I who thinks I know what I could do and should do. And uh, the I then fails to do it. So I, I suspect that it's the I that gets in the way of meditation even when people are trying to lose the I. <laughs> right, right, right. But so very interesting, you make the distinction between the I uh, and the I related to the will and a sense of performance, achieving, so something that essentially is external and judgmental, uh, and the inner experience, which is that uh, quality of observing what's happening inside. And it is a sense, it's a self, it's a sense of self, but it's not that I or that self uh, or that ego that is, um, um, you know, very rigid. Absolutely. And funnily enough, I'm rather excited at the minute by the idea of flow. Um, you know that I've just produced my first volume, um, Journeys to the Deep, the subtitle, A Gentle Guide to Mindfulness Meditation. I think we, we're going to mention it a bit later, but I'm writing as we speak my second volume in there, and it's called into the flow and of course that is all we have when we look inside and as focusers we know this we know it deeply and a focuser will want to go with that flow to honor it to uh, allow yourself to change direction if the flow if there's a current a new current it takes you a new way your focusing skill will your focusing sensitivity Will will what will alert you to that as a possibility which you will be open to, so it's all about flow really, and um, of course meditation really is as well, but that's where I think meditation instructions can just get in the way of meditation. That's where I think focusing can be so helpful to a meditation teacher. Right, right, and so we're talking about flow. Uh, maybe just um, left to our own devices. Um, in a moment of being alone and having some time, we might tend to drift into daydreaming or into free association. And that's a little bit different from what one traditionally understands as meditation. Um, so how does it fit with your notion of flow and following the flow? Mm. Well, I guess I broaden my understanding of what it is to meditate. So I would say that um, we need those states of daydreaming and drifting and getting caught up in daydreams and fantasies and so on in order to understand how our mind is. Yeah? Our mind isn't just one thing. So again, with my students, I encourage them to notice when that's happened, um, which you will notice when you come into awareness. So you're not putting any restraint on the mind. My mind doesn't work well with restraints. It <laughs> bucks against it. I feel unhappy. I get judgmental. So... I think other people, I feel I failed, you know, so there's lots that come in. I think if we try to restrict the broad ocean of our consciousness, it's a bit of a bizarre 
thought that we ever can anyway. But um, I would encourage people to let their minds do what they like. Just what happens, see what happens. And when you come into awareness, which you will naturally, be a natural sort of awareness, then you've got that moment of choice. And as a focuser, you would know, right, oh, I'll tune in, I'll settle in, I'll see what's wanted here. And it's quite likely that here and there, you end up with some very lovely natural moments of mindfulness and awareness where you're able to really enjoy the moment and sink into it. And then just learn more about yourself as you notice that you go again. So mm -hmm. the flow is also, the flow is not, it's not just seeing the flow as it happens. It's allowing yourself to let go of the flow and to see the broader flow of the mind coming sometimes aware, sometimes elsewhere. <laughs> There's another flow there. Right, 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 right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, um, in a way that kind of multi-level um, awareness and and shifting from awareness to lack of awareness or awareness of awareness um, and um, and a sense that you can't really go wrong as you follow that um, that current. I think that's one of my mottos, Serge. I think you found it, which is you can't <laughs> go wrong. You just can't <laughs> go wrong, as you can never go wrong in a focusing session. You can't right. go wrong in a meditation but it's not well known it breaks my heart you know i hear people say oh it didn't work for me and uh, i i found that i find that so sad it's a bit like saying my inner world doesn't work for me well of course mm -hmm. it does it's there as a resource of riches for you and a support for your life so so it feels um important to me at this moment to to stop with that um it's so sad to think about how often people can be scared of having a moment with themselves um, for fear of doing it wrong. Mm, yeah, isn't it sad? Yeah. I think that's the danger and perhaps part of the revolutionary nature of the revolutionary pause. Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a, it's quite an explosive experience for some people, a revolutionary pause. Because if you stop, you've got no buffer, have you, between yourself and your experience. What's there is likely to come and just ram, find you sometimes. Mm. And that's where I would love to see meditation taught in a way that's giving people the resources to understand what's happening when that goes on. And to just to begin to build some containment, some container around it, um, as you do in focusing. Mm. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, a, a simple container is the sense that, um, when you pause, um, you will likely encounter some sort of difficulty, especially if you're not accustomed to going there. Um, and being in that difficulty is actually exactly where you need to be. Um, or, or something like that. I think that's a lovely way to put it because very often when people feel a the difficulty, then comes a feeling about the feeling like, oh, I must be a bad person or I'm a mess because I've got the feeling. And that is, again, uh, one of the tragedies, isn't it, of a sort of pop culture about feelings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. Instead of here's the feeling and as Focusing Wisdom has taught you and I, well, what a what a brilliant opportunity to say hello to something that needs my care and attention. 
And so, um, uh, do you make um, a distinction between, say, um, an intention to meditate and countering a difficult feeling, and then keeping it aside in some way for a focusing session? Or would you encourage people or in your own practice to shift, uh, you know, your intention was to meditate, you encounter something difficult, and then you go into a focusing mode to explore it? What, what would you uh, uh, suggest? I guess I would suggest taking away any labels for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might call one thing meditation, as we know from Jean, you know, it would be, what does that word mean to you? What does it mean to someone else? It'll have a lot of meanings anyway. Um, and allow yourself to do what is kind of guided from your inner being. You know, in a way, you're your own teacher, which means that for some people, they might quite organically go into what you and I might call focusing. Some people might organically go into what they would call prayer. Some people might uh, go into some hypnagogic drifty dozy states and find that quite helpful and useful indeed i tell my students that's where they'll find their nobel prize winning idea you know in the more dozy states um so in between wake and sleep so i think taking away labels is a really brilliant idea and just following with complete authenticity what comes along and that actually the challenge there is trying to give people enough skills and tools to do that. You know, the different, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there are so many mm-hmm. options, but you know, your, our toolkit is constantly growing. So I wouldn't even like to limit it just to um, meditation or focusing. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, it's interesting because I, I certainly, you know, am very much in sync with you. I, I tend to call what I do or, you know, a, a active pause. And then whatever happens in that pause you know, can go into whatever direction, uh, and uh, and it's not limited by your label. So so it feels really nice to, um, uh, you know, I feel very much like a kindred spirit when you talk about it that way. What you say actually is, is lovely to hear, and it gives me a little further idea um, about a difference. So, shall I go with that, or were you about to? Yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, it's essentially it's an invitation to see what happens when you stop um, the um, ongoing um, default mode and you pause and you notice what happens and you more often than not are going to have some kind of difficulty, which is essentially the continuum of the revolutionary pause, you know, because it's 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 kind of a difficult moment. Um, And then, you know, wherever you are, Mm -hmm. you're where you need to be. Um, And, uh, and you can use whatever method. Yeah. You know, to so yeah. And perhaps the difference here then is that when you're focusing, you're doing it out loud, or you, to some extent, you're sharing verbally. Yeah. And of course, the verbalization is part of us getting a handle, finding the more sometimes the help from the partner. And um, when I do a little focusing demo with my students, I call it meditating out loud. Oh. Yeah. But I reckon the difference here at meditation, maybe if we were going to use the label for a moment, the difference might be that when you're meditating, you've got more access to the silent 
um, dimensions of your experience, which when you're focusing, it happens in silence. You know, you, mm-hmm. as you're touching in with the felt sense, it's a silent process. Mm-hmm. You can only report it in retrospect to your partner. Mm-hmm. And in meditation, you've just got a little bit more space if you do go into a bit of a wordless space. Although you and I know that many focusing sessions have happened where the person hasn't said a word for an hour. You know, that's not right. uncommon. That can go on. But I think in meditation, you've just got that. There's uh, an invitation for the wordless and the conceptual le- less place as well. And it may be there's a bit of a difference there. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways, um, you're describing as the nature of the invitation um, and the, that um, calling something meditation is going to foster a little bit more of, oh, maybe I can stay a little longer in the silence. And calling something focusing is, oh, I can be a little bit more into the exploring or calling it prayer is going to be, I can be more in touch with something sacred or something larger. Uh, but it's really nice to see how all of these are related. Mm, that's it and it's only a matter of personal preference what you name any of these things I believe mm-hmm. yeah. the, the definition of meditation that really struck me and that I found so useful when I heard it was from Jason Siff who teaches what he calls recollective awareness and he says meditation is whatever you do when you sit down to meditate <laughs> it's whatever you do when you sit down to meditate yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, so I have a very satisfying feeling of, um, a sense of, um, of bringing ourselves and bringing people to, um, a place of enjoyment and a place of curiosity and exploration. But certainly not a place of um, um, trying so hard, of striving, mm-hmm. or of in some way um, criticizing or depriving ourselves. Yes. And I, I think enjoyment is such a key. I, I have devised what I call the enjoyment meditation, <laughs> which um, sounds good, really. But it's what I do all the time. I think you just look for... Uh, it's very possible just to sit there and enjoy the felt sense of enjoyment and do that, whatever you're doing, taking the first sip of coffee in the day, if you like coffee, you know, or you're to look at the sunshine, sunshine. So if you can bask in the enjoyment, well, it's going to increase your capacity for enjoyment for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And including enjoying difficult feelings, difficult moments. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Making men delicious too, because it's such a relief, isn't it, to be heard and understood? Mm-hmm. And then when we can do that for ourselves, we become our own listener. And then that, for something in there that's so deeply satisfying and such a relief. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, in some ways, um, uh, in a focusing session, you have a, a built-in listener, a person who is there, and. Um, you're talking about becoming your own listener. So a sense that maybe there is that internalized listener um, that as I am meditating, uh, I'm not, you know, just um, trying to be empty, but I'm actually, there is something going on and there is a pleasure 
of being heard, of being seen, of being listened to. Yes, that's it. And I, I think that in my first book, in Journeys to the Deep, um, there's I've sort of built on that moment when you're doing that inner listening by doing what Jason Sith calls the recollection practice. And I've done that by writing a poem after the time. You know, when yes, so that I want to ask you a bit about, um, uh, you know, how you interweave uh, the meditation, that listening, the focusing and the writing of poem. You know, how does it come about? Mm. Well, the poems that I wrote um, in the course of a particular year, I started using for teaching purposes. So my students would, you know, having just done a meditation and sort of done a little self-focusing, if you like, solo focusing and written the poem through that process, just after the meditation, the poems were kind of fresh from the source. And they often tackled something that, well, they always tackled something that had gone on for me in my meditation. So when a student asks me a question, of course, it's ready-made. I can sort of say, this is a bit embarrassing, really. I can say, hmm, I wrote a poem about that this morning. You know, I, I got something to say about it. It's it's fresh in me, sort of thing. So um, I would, you know, they were very generous and they let me read the odd poem. And they always seemed to find it helpful, or they said they did. Um, perhaps they were being kind. But the the uh, the it did seem to support them to hear it with a small, you know, right brain creative expression it wasn't an explanation it was a poem saying it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I just it just gave me the idea to weave the book the book the journeys to the deep the first uh, volume there into a book which was as it became known a gentle guide to mindfulness meditation and you and you interweave in the book um something that is a poem on one page and something that's more of a of a, an explanation on the other side uh and so there's both um approaches to understanding what's happening for you that's it that's it that's right on the first on on the left you've got this little bit of a very short actually just a single short page of of, of prose describing a point um something about meditation experience. And then it's kind of illustrated by the poem. And um, from the people I know who are giving me feedback on the book, it's very often the poem that really makes the point, you know. It does it in a different way, perhaps. Um, mm. mm-hmm. And it, it slows you down, of course. It slows you down in, in reading it, which is also useful. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, it slows you down. I think that uh, that, that quality of slowing you down uh, is something that's so important in these practices. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and that's um I think my favorite thing about the book is that it's 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 short, it's slim, there's not so many words and you can just dip into it. It's it's designed as a kind of just just do this slowly, just take it gradually. You know, there's nothing to get through here. It's just a um yeah, little droplets of uh often actually just focusing wisdom just offered in prose and coming through a poem. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Great. So, so um, does it feel right to stop here or is there something you would want to add? I think that's just a lovely exploration of the whole field, Serge. I'm really grateful to have a chance to talk it through. Thank you. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.